0: All right, all right. Well, Movement, good morning. Man, it's so good to see you this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's good to see you this morning. Turn to the other person next to you and say, it's even better to see you uh, this morning. So so there it is. <laughs> yeah, well, we are in week two of a one-week series. Uh, so you know how that goes. And so we started off with this idea that we were going to have a Vision Sunday. And I know that that's a big launch, but the truth is that we kind of got into it and we realized we needed to change it from Vision Sunday to vision sundays because it couldn't be contained in one weekend and so uh, we've been going in a number of different directions but i'll just figure you know the truth is that the bible gives us a crazy vision it gives us a crazy picture of what the body of christ the people of god are called to be it gives us this idea of a people filled with goodness and grace and unity and love reaching out into a hurting and broken world. And so really, as we read the Bible, it's a book that's filled with a picture of the future, a vision of what the church could be. Now, I know that I've been leaving some of y'all hanging with what we're going to be talking about. And so I figured, why not just kind of give all of it to you at one time, and then we're going to unpack it week by week. And so this idea is really us trying to come to Scripture and say, what does the Bible say about living the Christian life? Not what does the world say, or what does the church say, or, you know, what does a good social club say? But if we were to go to scripture and actually look and say, what does it say about living the Christian life? What would it actually look like? And how could we encapsulate it for our church? And so here's what we came up with. And so we said, listen, what we're called to do is together we are being changed by Jesus and unleashing change-making disciples Who create kingdom cultures by discipling others, bringing Jesus close to them until every home, network, and city in the Chippewa Valley is changed by the power of Jesus. Now, I know that's a lot to say. I know that's a lot that we're encapsulating. But what we're going to do is we're going to unpack that week by week. We're going to start with just the first line today. But before we dive into that, I want to remind us where we were last week in John chapter three. Today, we're going to be in John chapter four. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you want to even open up your phone app, let's be honest, that way you can track along with me. And last week we talked about this guy whose name was Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to Jesus and he had this conversation where they talked about this idea of being born Again. Now it's kind of crazy because Nicodemus kind of responds like what you and I would maybe respond like where he's like, how could somebody be born again? And Jesus has this conversation with him. And it's this idea of, listen, if you believe in me, your old life will go away and a new life will come in. And the way that new life comes in is through wanting Jesus. And so we kind of placed ourselves on the scale of where am I right now? If I was going to be honest in my walk with God, and we said, you could be in a place where you don't have a want, where you could say, you know what, if I'm going to be really honest, I don't know if I have a want for God. You could be in a place where you have a worried want, where maybe you're kind of saying, you know what, I'm just worried about like the future and what that's going to look like. And so it's better to have God than not have God. And so maybe you're in worried want. Maybe you're in want to want, but you're saying, man, I want to want God. I wish that I did want God. Or maybe you're in want, where you actually want him. Or maybe you're in with. And so wherever you are, we just kind of evaluated and said, where would we be in our walk with God? Now, today, we're going to turn to John chapter 4, and we're going to talk about this idea changed to be a change maker. And so you want to go up and open up to John chapter four. And what I would love for you to do is just, I know that you talked to the person next to you, but just kind of for a second, let them know who it was that had an impact on your life and why they had an impact on your life. Turn to the person next to you and just kind of give a little second. I know that you did that, but I don't know if you got to the person next to you. So go ahead and let them know who was it that had an impact on your life. All right, so anybody want to give a shout out to somebody in your life that you said, man, they had an impact in my life and why? My dad. Your dad. And it was because he could always see the vision for my life and always supported it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Anybody else? Somebody that they want to celebrate? <laughs> Roman had an impact in your life. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so there's these relationships that we have in our life that we are forever changed the moment we come into a relationship with them. And so in John chapter 4, what's interesting is that you contrast John chapter 3 with John chapter 4. John chapter 3, there's a guy whose name is Nicodemus. He's named. He's well-read in religion. He's a man who meets with Jesus. He's somebody who is righteous before the law and trained and, and, and compare that with the person we're meeting today who is an unnamed woman who meets with Jesus at noon, who is not somebody who is a part of the religious elite. And so we have this contrast between these two different people. And so today I want to explore this idea of what it looks like for us to be changed, to make change. So we got a long passage today and we're going to read it. And then we're just going to literally walk through this and what God has for us today. Starting in John chapter four, verse one. When Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. Somebody say had. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to the town of Samaria called Sychar near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. And so Jacob's well was there and Jesus, worn out, somebody say worn out, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon, and so a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because the disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God, and who is saying to you, give me a drink? You would ask him, and he would give you living water. He'd give you what? Living water. Okay, if you got a paper Bible, highlight that, underline it, star it. For those of you who have a phone, you're missing out on the beauty of paper. <laughs> Kill some trees. And so continues, and he says, you could have living water. So she says, sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the water is deep, so where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. And then we're going to go ahead and skip down to verse 27. And it says this, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you do? What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar, went into town and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. And in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? I just imagine Jesus, you know, just like, oh oh my gosh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. He said, open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. Then it says in verse 30, now, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. And she, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the Savior of the world. I want to talk to you from this thought, of if you met Jesus in an airport. And so I just want you to imagine you know, it's been a hard week for you. You've been going through a lot, and this is the last thing that you need, but there's a family emergency, and so you are flying across the United States. You're actually on your way back home from going to an emergency. You got a red-eye flight, and so everybody with you, man, they are tired. They're bleary-eyed. You just feel exhausted from the day, and so you're walking through the airport. All of the stores are closed. All of the restaurants are closed, and you you look at your phone, and you're like, okay, well, listen, I need to, I need to um, I need Need to charge my phone, because now, as fate would have it, now I don't have any charge on my phone, and so you're looking for a charging station. So you're looking around Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport for a charging station, and, and you see one, except at the charging station, there's a, a Middle Eastern guy kind of sitting at the, at the charging station. He's kind of sitting back a little bit. His eyes are closed, and he's sitting there. Automatically, you're kind of a little uncomfortable, because you're like, man, there's, you know, there's a couple things that I can think of right now, and, and he's just kind of sitting back, right? And you come over and you go to charge your phone and he kind of looks up, he kind of peeks an eye open and he looks over at you and, you know, it kind of takes a deep breath and you kind of try to sneak past him. But before you can, he says, hey, listen, do you have another charger for me? like, yeah, yeah, I got another charger. So you dig in your bag real quick. You grab another charger for him. And as you're plugging in your phone, this guy is sitting on the ground. He, he turns to you and he says, listen, I got to tell you, uh, maybe you can charge my phone and maybe that would be helpful. But I want to let you know that there is a power source that never runs dry. He's sitting there like, man, that's crazy. You're thinking to yourself, man, Elon Musk is the man. Like somehow he came up with like a power source that never runs dry. And this guy's just sitting there and you're, and you're like, man, Elon Musk? And he's like, nah, man, me. And you're like, oh, you're an engineer? I see like, man, that's pretty incredible. You, you figured out you're going to be a rich man. And the guy just kind of takes a deep breath. And he says, no, 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 you don't get it. I have a power source that you will never run dry and it's if you believe in me. And you just kind of take a step back. You're like, I'm in an airport, bro. Like, I don't, what are you, you're at a charging station? That's what's up. And you're going to tell me, and I'm supposed to believe in you, a guy I've never met before, and I'm supposed to be charged into you. And if I believe in you, I'll have a power source that will never run dry. What even are you talking about? I wonder if today we met Jesus in an airport. If it would look a little bit like what this woman experienced meeting Jesus at a well. See, there's a lot of weird things about this story. Jesus actually, as he's going through to where he needs to go, instead of being like every other Jew who would have bypassed Samaria, you see, the the kingdom of Israel was divided into two sections. One of the sections was known as the Northern Kingdom. They were conquered over by the Assyrians, and what happened is they exported a bunch of Jewish people, and they imported a bunch of other people. And these Jews and the Gentiles began to marry, began to have some of the similar beliefs, and so there was a bunch of Jews who saw Samaria as being a place of all the rejects. And so what they would do is they would take this longer trip all the way around so they wouldn't have to walk through Samaria. And what we see is that Jesus had, somebody say Jesus had, Had. Jesus had to go through Samaria. I wonder what the church would look like today if maybe we had to go to the places that were most broken if we went to the people who we liked the least, if we went to the people that we disagreed with the most, and that's this experience of Jesus where he says he had to go to Samaria. But while he was going to Samaria, he sits down at a well because he was what? Worn out from his journey. Is anybody grateful that Jesus didn't wait to feel 100% before doing ministry and yet sometimes what happens is I say like Jesus when I'm 100 then I'll actually do something but until I'm 100 I don't know if I'm ready for that you see I'm worn out I'm tired I don't feel like you know reaching out to somebody right now but it was when Jesus was worn out that God brought somebody his way I wonder how many times we miss out on somebody God brought our way because we are worn out waiting to be 100 when Jesus said listen just pay attention And so Jesus, worn out from the journey, is sitting down at a well. We see Jesus' humanity in that moment, and there's this unlikely encounter between an unlikely person in an unlikely place, talking about an unlikely thing. Isn't that the way that God works? Is that oftentimes he meets the people in the unlikely places because this woman was meeting at noon. So this woman, oftentimes what would happen is uh, women would go together and they would talk and they would gather and they would go either in the early morning or they would go late at night. And so it was kind of like a social endeavor. For those of you who remember what it was like to work in a workplace, I know it's been a a long time, you know, but there was a water cooler, right, in your workplace. And it was the place that you'd like go and you'd get, you know, some water and you'd talk and you would have a conversation, you would gossip. And it was kind of this place of community. And so you got to imagine this woman is kind of on her own instead of being a part of society and a part of humanity. Instead, she's separate. And so what happens is now Jesus is having a conversation with her. He introduces himself and he begins to talk about this idea of having a drink of living water. And as we talk about that idea of living water, Jesus actually has a whole lot back in him before that. In Jeremiah chapter two, verse 13, it says, for my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water water. And so you begin to see, first of all, there's somebody excited about being in kids ministry. I can tell. And here's what they say in verse 13. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty. And so I need some volunteers. I need three volunteers to get up because they're super excited to be here today. Mark, you're going to be one of my volunteers and you're going to hold. There, there you go. That's exciting. Okay. Chase, you're going to be one of my volunteers. Thank you, thank you. And uh, all right, Lynn, you're gonna be one of my volunteers. Perfect. Okay, So when we talk about living water, the truth is that it doesn't really get encapsulated by one, you're doing great, you're hiding behind it. And so it doesn't really get encapsulated by one idea. And so you gotta ask the question, what is living water like? The first thing that living water is like, living water is like a phone. And so tell me, is that phone charged? Yes. How charged is it? I don't know. Put your reading glasses on. (laughs) I wasn't ready for this moment. Um, not very much. Not very much. Okay. What, okay. So what that means is, right, there was a phone. And the, the problem with the phone is that it can't produce power on its own. The only way that a phone gets power is if it's connected to something else. And so sometimes I think what happens, we think that living water is like we get charged up on a weekend and then we go throughout the week and our battery slowly diminishes. But living water is not like a phone that gets charged up once a week and then diminishes. Living water is being connected to the power source. And so living water is like being connected to something that's continually giving. Living water... uh, I don't know what kind of shrub this is. I couldn't find a fruit tree. Uh, so, 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 so tell me, uh, is that tree, go, okay, if it was a fruit tree, is this producing any fruit? Not anymore, it's not. Not anymore, it's not. Why? It's no longer connected to the roots. It's not connected to the roots. Okay, so I want you to think, when you see a tree, you don't see very often a tree that says, I'm trying so hard to produce fruit right like it's not like it's not striving it's not putting effort into it when it's planted it naturally produces fruit and so in the same way the problem is this is not going to produce fruit because it's not planted and so living water is like a tree that is planted in the ground that naturally bears fruit on its own and so we get two different examples so we have something that needs to be plugged in and in order for it to be plugged in then it gets more energy we have something that is planted and when it is planted We see that now it bears fruit. And lastly, we have a cup. We have a cup. Is there anything in the cup? There's nothing in the cup. Okay. Why why would there be nothing in the cup? Because it hasn't been filled. Because it hasn't been filled. Okay. So sometimes what happens is the last example is that we begin to think that that You know, life is like a cup, and you just have as much as what's poured into it is what you pour out, and there's this limited good. And what Jesus says is, listen, life with me is not limited good. Life with me is like a stream of water that continues to fill you up. And the question is, man, somewhere back is there something that is damming up the stream that is allowing us to experience living water. And so it's not like a cup, it's like a stream of living water. And so we see all these examples of what it's not. It's not a tree disconnected from from everything. Because something that's not planted can't produce fruit. It's not like a phone that's just kind of charged up sometimes and then throughout the week diminishes. And it's not like a cup that when you pour it out, there's nothing left. It's the opposite of all of those things. And so what we see when Jesus talks about living water is he's saying, when you're planted, things change. Not because you're trying to, not because you're putting all the effort and striving into it, but because naturally you're planted in Jesus, you begin to bear different fruit and you're like a phone that never runs out of energy because you're always connected to the source and you're like a stream of water that continues to be beneficial to everyone else around you because living water is different than everything else that we've experienced in the world. It's from the inside out being changed by being with Jesus. Can we say thank you for all of these people up here who decided to come up and thank you, thank you, thank you. You did a great job. And so living water is being changed by Jesus. That as you are close to Jesus, you are changed from the inside out and everything about you is different. And so together we are being changed by Jesus. We are not being changed by self-help. We're not being changed by trying to be behavior modification, but we are changed by the help of the Holy Spirit that flows through us to live a different life. And so Jesus invites every one of us to say, partake in living water. You see, to be in relationship with Jesus is to change to be in relationship with Jesus is to look different because being with him changes you from the inside out. And so together we are being changed by Jesus. And the thing is, when we're changed by Jesus, we can't help but live differently. We can't help but want to do things that we didn't want to do before. We can't help but want to love the people around us because we've been with someone who loves every single part of us. And what happens is this woman, when she meets with living water, doesn't keep it to herself, but she can't help but go and tell other people about it. Verse 39 says, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him, Because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything that I ever did. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. You ever had an encounter with something as we talk about this idea of somebody who's had an impact in your life you ever had an encounter with something or someone that you couldn't help but want to talk to somebody else about it i was joking man. my first experience with crispy cream donuts man I, I hot now sign came on they were coming through on this conveyor belt this beautiful just goodness was coating them with every part and and i had that first bite of a crispy cream donut and i came back to every person that i knew and i was like have you tried Chris, anybody tried Krispy Kreme donuts? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh, for those of you who have tried Chick-fil-A, you know, like the first time that you bite into that chicken sandwich, you're like, man, my world is totally different. You want everybody to experience what you've experienced, not because you're trying to go out and be like, Hey, you know, we've got a market for Krispy Kreme, or we got a market for Chick-fil-A, but because you experienced something incredible, you want other people to experience that too. That's what happens with this woman, that she is changed. And she can't help but then go make change in the world around her. And that's what it means because every one of us knows somebody who has not experienced the joy of living water. Every one of us knows somebody who has not experienced being able to be in relationship with Jesus and being transformed by him. They, we see the brokenness in the world around us as we look at homes that are filled with brokenness as we look at networks that are filled with brokenness, as we look at cities that are filled with brokenness, the problem is that sometimes we just go through life that we forget and we get so distracted and busy by all the rest of the things that are happening in our life and what's the next game that I get to watch on TV and where do I go for dinner tonight and all the things that are happening in my work that we forget the joy of sharing living water with the lost, hurting, and broken world around us. And so what we see is that we are changed to make change for the kingdom of God. That you've been called, that you've been equipped, and that if you've experienced Jesus, whatever that conversation might look like, that you get to say, hey man, let me help you come to see the person who knew everything I ever did and still loved me. And so today, we're actually going to have a new song that we're going to sing together. And there's two different lenses that I would love for us to be able to see this through. The first lens that we're going to see this through is for you. And my question is this. Where in your life have you maybe not experienced living water maybe you've never experienced living water before maybe you're saying listen as i think about that idea of being able to see springs of living water coming from the inside out about me being transformed and bearing fruit simply because i'm with jesus maybe you've never experienced that before and you're saying man i would love to experience that the beautiful news is that the way that that's possible is through the name of jesus not because we had to do a certain number of things or you had to help a certain number of people but jesus came and jesus gave his life so that we could have life. And it's from that life that now we get to experience new life that now he says, if you believe in me, that maybe this is your airport moment. Maybe this is your well moment of you saying, man, I want to know that Jesus. Or maybe there's been some moments in your life that you know exactly what that woman feels like, weary, worn out, Life is throwing you all sorts of things that you're, man, you're like, I, just, I don't have a bad streak of luck. Like I have bad years of luck. And it just feels like all of this is piling on top of me. And what Jesus invites you to is to drink of living water. Or maybe there's somebody in your life that as you think about the world around you, that there are people that you say, man, I just long for them to know Jesus. I long for them to know the difference that Jesus can make in somebody's life. And you're saying, God, I'm going to lift them up today. I'm going to say yes for them today. And so you can stand with me. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing a song inviting this idea of what it would look like to live with living water. Lord Jesus, we invite you in this moment. We ask you, Lord, to change and transform us from the inside out. Not that we're trying to do the right things or go through the right checklist or not that we're trying to make our lives into a life that looks put together. But Lord, I pray that in the moments when we need you, that God, we would recognize that you're always there, that you're always ready to meet us, that you meet us in the midst of our deepest brokenness. You meet us in the midst of our deepest hurt. You meet us in the midst of the deepest fear. And it's in that moment when we get to experience and we have an opportunity for you to invite us into living water. Father, I pray that as we sing this song today, that we would recognize that, God, there is no place that you can't reach. There is no part of our heart that is too far for you to meet us in. And God, I pray for those of us today who are struggling. Maybe we're struggling with addiction. Maybe we're struggling with fear and anxiety. Maybe we're struggling with depression or with a relationship in our life. Lord, whatever we're struggling with, I pray that we would say in faith that when we come to Living Water, that we can't help but be changed and transformed because we've met you. And, Lord, I pray that as we're changed, that we would want to make change, that we would want to introduce other people to you. Lord, I pray that as we sing this song, that there would be people that you place on our mind, that as we sing this, that we would sing this over them, that there is no place that you won't go, that there is no person that you won't reach. And that according to the power of your spirit, which has gone ahead of us, Lord, I pray that you would empower us to make change that we would see a world that is full of streams of living water.